0: Our communion meditation is from the book of Joel. So it's the second of the minor prophets. So it's just after the big, the big guys. Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 28 and reading through the end of that chapter. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to have your Holy Spirit open our minds to it, understand it, apply it in our hearts and in our lives in the week ahead. We give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. A while back, a couple months ago, I think it was when I... uh, gave a communion meditation from the book of Malachi, or I'm sorry, Micah. Um, I mentioned, I referred to a website called Top Verses. And uh, I'd stumbled upon it as I was studying. And uh, now what I'd assumed at the time, and what I've looked up since then, is it's really not based on Christian popularity. So this is the way people, I thought, it would be, what is the most popular verse that Christians know? from all the Bible. That would be number one, and then on down. What it was, though, is this fellow did a search of the web for references, single verse references of the Bible, and then he c- collected all of those references and counted them all, and then ascribed top to bottom. He, he I think he has like 13,000 of them that were returned in this uh, search that he did. So it's still useful, and I still find it valuable, but it would be those verses that are most interesting uh, to people that are doing studies or doing articles or writing, whatever reason, and whatever sites this guy searched. So, what I wanted to share with you, though, is that we do live in a New Testament time. We are definitely a New Testament people. And whomever refers to the Bible is typically referring to the New Testament. Um, Of the 100 top verses that this guy found on this search... 87 of them were from the New Testament. Now, you know the New Testament is only a quarter of our Bible, and yet it accounted for 87% of the top 100 most popular. Now, the, the 13 that were in the Old Testament, six of them were from Genesis, which is great to hear. Two of them were from Isaiah, and then we had one from Deuteronomy, Proverbs, Joel, and Malachi. And so one was Joel. So Joel and Malachi... Two of the top 100 most popular verses this guy found on the internet were from the Minor Prophets. So two out of 100. Joel was the most popular verse from the Minor Prophets. Joel 2.28, the first verse I read to you. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. That is the most popular verse referenced throughout the internet from the Minor Prophets. So, interesting, I would say. So when I wanted to bring a message from this book, I thought, well, I have to bring it from the most popular verse from all of the Minor Prophets. There is in the very first verse, though, something that I want to begin with. And it shall come to pass afterward. Now, this is chapter 2, verse 28, and so we've had all of chapter 1, that's 20 verses and then we've had 27 verses so we've had 47 verses so far in Joel that I didn't read to you but I'll refer to them now the first 30 verses from well actually it's the first 31 but I'm striking verse 1 but from the second verse of chapter 1 to the 11th verse of chapter 2 it's all about judgment a judgment that's coming upon the people to whom he's writing and this is not just any judgment. This is a serious, horrific judgment. Let me read to you verse one, verses 1 through 3 in chapter 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. I mean, these are scary, scary, frightening words. And so this 30 verses that Joel has just written is all about judgment, what's coming upon these people. But then beginning at verse 12 in chapter 2, he extends hope. Beginning at verse 13, so rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. So Joel has just pronounced this coming judgment that is horrific, and then he says, that judgment, however is conditional upon the fact that you do not act on what i'm commending you now to do and that is to repent to rend your hearts and not your garments then he goes on for 10 verses the 10 verses just prior to what this i, I read earlier from two eighteen to 27 this is all about rescue and restoration conditional on their repentance they will be rescued from that judgment they won't come and they will be restored to the position that they had before that. Let me read verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, all of these wonderful things. Verse 23. Be glad, then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you the former rain and the latter rain, in the first month. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. So now that is everything that has been written about. It's about judgment, it's about a command to repent, and it's about a conditional rescue from that judgment and a restoration. Then we come to Joel 2.28. And so that's why I wanted to set the context. He's just written a lot about what may occur should they not repent. But then he says... And it shall come to pass afterward. So after any and all of that has occurred is what occurs what I'd read about earlier. And let me read that again. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heaven. And in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. So when exactly is he talking about? We know, we know exactly when he's talking about. And how is it that we know? Because the Apostle Peter quotes this practically verbatim in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. Let me read that. I'll start reading at Acts 2, verse 15. It was after the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them, and all of these people from all around the world were hearing the gospel in their own language. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's nine in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this prophecy from Joel was projected 800 plus years into the future and fulfilled with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We know, we just read about it, at conception all people, Are at odds with God and will remain at odds with God should they not repent let me read that verse 21 again from Acts 2 and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved so all mankind every person conceived under ordinary generation rests under the condemnation of God. And there is nothing the liberal out there, all these liberal churches that preach against that, that are ashamed of Christ, nothing that they say changes that fact. They refuse to tell everyone that they must bow the knee to Christ in order to be saved, to escape the condemnation of God. And we must then do the opposite of that. We must proclaim Christ. We must proclaim the fact that it is only through Christ that men and women will be saved. This table is a weekly celebration of the saved. It's a weekly celebration of the saved. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you celebrate this as a saved person? Many people... Take communion every week and they're not saved. Are you among that number? Because this is also a weekly reminder to the lost that they're lost, that they rest under the condemnation of God. So, th- one of the criticisms of heavily having weekly communion is that it's too common it ought to be special but it's special and our doing it weekly can't make it any less special let's pray father god we do thank you for this special meal it is not we that can make it special or common It's only you, Father, through your power. So we pray that you would remind us how important it is to be at this meal, to truly celebrate this meal, to acknowledge the fact that it is the Holy Spirit within us that draws us into your throne room as we come to enjoy it. Father, we thank you so much as the saved that you bring us to this table And we do pray for the lost, that they would recognize what it is. We give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen.